Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and I want you to put it between your knees. And joining me, as always, Amy Thomason. Amy, how are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Not going to put it between my knees. Thank, but... thank, thank, <laughs> thank God. It's, uh, it, it, is, it is not lunchtime, and uh, I've already eaten, so I don't, need to, I don't need to order off menu. I don't need to interrogate a poor, a poor waitress just trying to do her job. This week's film is a special reader listener request from Michael from Canada. Number one super fan. We love you. Love we love Michael. talking to you. He, this, this week's film is a should have is a sorry is a for your reconsideration 1970s classic, Five Easy Pieces, directed by Bob Raffleson, written by Adrian Joyce, story by Raffleson and Joyce, starring the one and only Jack Nicholson, Karen Black, Susan Anspach. Lois Smith, Tony Basil, Rafe, Ralph Waite, and Billy Green Bush. And Amy, I had never seen this film before. What? Uh, I am, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's just one of those it, most, like, ex, like, really good 70s cinema is lost on me. I'm probably going to go for the schlocky 70s cinema. That's just how I do. So I hadn't seen it before. Uh, and what is your... So that's my story. What is your history with this film? Are you, are you just going to stare at me incredulously the entire I time? I seriously am. This is one that it actually... Sh- Have you seen Easy Rider? I've seen Easy Rider, yes. Okay. You kind of well, need to see Easy Rider. Like you said, can yeah. now be slightly hmm. less embarrassed. No, no. I've seen this many times. I own this on DVD. And I remember the first time I heard about it was about a hundred years ago. They did some SNL skit when I was like nine where Uh they did the bit at the diner. And I remember all the grownups in the room were laughing and I was like, why is this so funny? My dad's like, Oh, it's from a movie five easy pieces with Jack Nicholson. And I filed that away in my brain and years later. Yeah. I've seen it several times. Like I said, wow, never damn. I mean, but and yet I am the host of the show here, so so I have. To... I guess it doesn't matter really so much. <laughs> Just... But I've seen it now. Does that help? Yes. Just a little bit. Oh, okay. can now redeem yourself. Thank you, thank you so much. It's uh, I'm looking forward to talking about this one, especially considering the year it came out in 1970s, start of the 70s, obviously, and it was a time of the end of the Hollywood system. The studio system was collapsing and the rise of what they called New Hollywood, of which Bob Raffleson was one of the early forerunners, although not well known. He was sort of eclipsed by his peers. You may know their names, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese. They kind of came in, became the new Hollywood pack of up-and-comer young filmmakers, which... I think we tend to forget that there was a time when these names that we have known all our lives were not household names. They were not Spielberg. They were not Scorsese. They were just this these punk kids from California who were making movies that nobody else would ever dream of having made 20 years ago and doing it very, very well. And Raffleson is uh, one of those voices who gets pushed to the, uh, to the brink. Yeah. Also, this year, another filmmaker that has not gotten mentioned yet, Robert Altman, 
Yeah. Oh, right. Was big in the 70s and um, had a movie out this year. That's just what made me think of it. No, no, that's true because we are going to take a very short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about that movie, among others, in our Oscar section. So do stick around. Still happens to me. I go into restaurants now and I say, I want chicken salad and could I bacon? No, 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 there's no substitutions. You can't do this and could. And I say, please, for crying out loud, you got the bacon here. And they say, oh, don't be such a wise guy, you know. You, uh, you, you saw that movie. And I didn't see that movie. I made the motherfucking movie. What are you talking about, you know? Five Easy Pieces was one of the main contenders at the 43rd Annual Academy Awards on April 15th, 1971. The winning film that year, which picked up quite a number of awards, was Patton, starring George C. Scott. We have talked about that film uh, previously, way back when, with special guest host James Berard Nelly, who dominated the conversation. He is the number one Patton super fan, most assuredly. And because... Amy wasn't there. I will now give Amy 60 seconds to tell me why Patton is not a good movie, starting now. It's not that it's not a good movie. It's just not a great movie. Scott is a phenomenal actor. He deserved it. He deserved a win for Best Supporting Actor for Dr. Strangelove and for The Hustler, both of which he lost. There's just nothing new. It didn't add anything new. The opening scene is what everybody remembers. Other than that, it's forgettable. It's a biopic. Unless you're super in the military, there's really nothing for you. Oh, 30, only 30 seconds. I was expecting more vitriol. I was. You, yeah. sounded, you sounded so upset about that film. No, I just think it's stupid that it won because I feel like it doesn't capture the year that it was nominated at all. Well, I think, okay, we're... about 70s. There's two films on here that should have won Best Picture over Patton. It's a very traditional movie, it's well acted, but like is so often the case, did George C. Scott win for his great performance or for who he played? Did the character win the Academy Award or did his performance of the character win the Academy it Award? A, it was a great performance. I'm gonna say that while Scott definitely deserved it for Strange Love or The Hustler, he definitely deserved it for this as well. He's 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 great in Patton. I I I, I love I love Patton. I'm not having seen Five Easy Pieces, I said of course Patton should Patton should win. Patton, but all right, we are. It's 1970. We are 25 years removed from World War II. People are start. The civil rights just happened. People want to feel in control of things and i think that is sort of like all right back in the day when we were great world war ii rah rah i think i think that would that would influence why it won best picture plus biopics and biopics and early academies were definitely the the big thing at the time so i understand i think i think it's great i think his performance is great the uh the action certainly is superb and it is an interesting look at a at an interesting laud man but now having seen Five Easy Pieces, Five Easy Pieces is a very strong contender. And I would honestly put it down to a coin flip. Patton definitely has the, uh, the Oscar prestige to it. While Five Easy Pieces is, I think, a much more, much more subtle and nuanced film than uh, most films Which are in the world. I think, I, I, think the, I think the only film that's more nuanced and subtle 
1970 is Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion, which is the uh, Italian film that won Best Foreign Language that year, which we spoke about in a previous episode as well, as well, because that movie is just ridiculous. And uh, if you haven't seen that, check it out and do listen to our, uh, our episode on that. But Five Easy Pieces was nominated for four Academy Awards. What were they? Besides Best Picture? Besides Best Picture. Best Actor for my boy Jack Nicholson. Okay. Best Actress for Karen Black. Mm-hmm. Lost to Glenda Jackson for Women in Love, a movie which I have seen. Oh, yeah. And uh-huh. Best Original Screenplay, and it lost to Patton. Lost to Patton. Which is strange. Like, there were, I think there were three writing categories at the time. It's also, it's also odd that... Uh, You'd think a World War II general would have had so much stuff written about that it, that this it got qualified for best original screenplay. I don't like. Surprised. I don't know. I don't know how the. I don't know quite how the how the the rulings or the standards work back then. But there certainly the in the screenplay category, especially in previous years recently, have had a lot of. I would say chicanery around them as to what counts as adapted, what counts as original. Moonlight was actually based on a play, but it was never produced, so it kind of squeaked in as an original story. It's and music it's is like flux. that too, because I remember the song "Come What May" from Moulin Rouge, which is an amazing song, an Oscar-winning song wasn't eligible because it had been written and not and for another movie but it was never used never used yeah so it I be nominated it's it's strange it's strange the the stringent guidelines and i understand they're there for a reason but it's still it's just it's odd it's, it's just odd. like uh i think uh, i think Patton is a well-written movie but there's there's something about five easy pieces i'm like I, they they shouldn't be even competing in the same category at this point. It just it just seems it just seems like you're going to have to consult a book if you're going to write a movie about patents. Anyways, uh, unfortunately, Five Easy Pieces walked away with no wins that year, uh, but would later or get justice in um, being uh, admitted to the National Film registry and uh it's a movie that people still watch and talk about i feel like old people are the only people that still watch Patton. dads i think dads. I, mean, I know i know i'm just gonna like end it up really watching is Patton. a dad movie but my dad is much more of a jack nicholson fan so i can't okay, watch a jack nicholson movie without thinking about my dad i mean if i'm gonna watch any war movie it's gonna be band of brothers every memorial day because i love that it's the, that's yeah, the best that's the best war story to ever put on yeah he's into that too oh but so good but what were the what were the other films nominated that year in uh, a pretty solid year 1970 love story which is a terrible film mm-hmm. mash robert alden which is groundbreaking I've read the book. I've seen the movie. I was like raised on the TV show. I am, you know, I'm so glad you're here because you read the book of the movies and that so helpful. I do. And gaining and insight. Because I'm a nerd. But looking back, Altman in the few Altman movies I've seen tends to be misogynistic. And so that kind of, I find that a little bit distasteful when I watch his movies. Mm. And Airport. And Airport, which... I'm told to find movie. I haven't seen it again. I'm bad at the 70s. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But so really it's Pat and Mash and Five Easy Pieces that are in contention. They're the major the major players this year. 
And, and considering I, MASH later became such a big thing, you know what I mean? It's like, really, we're giving it to Patton? Yeah. Well, you know, they, they, I mean, do the right thing is such a big thing. Oh, but we're going to give it to Driving Miss Daisy. The whole thing. Listen to plenty of our episodes. Well, it's a big, it's, it's an up and coming versus a traditional. It's a, the King's speech versus a, the social network or yeah. inception. Exactly. Exactly. But I do look forward to talking MASH at a later date because that will definitely have to be on our for your reconsideration at some point in the future it is a fantastic movie great tv show i think one of the few successful uh movies to television shows out there and which and certainly in the uh I, I feel like people remember the show more just because it all lasted that amazing the show, the show lasted longer than the actual korean war right yes and it's but it's about Vietnam as a Korea, but whatever. It's totally about Vietnam, but it's not about Vietnam. Anyways, that is the Oscar section. We're gonna take another short break, and you are going to be bear witness to us discussing five easy pieces. I'd like a uh, plain omelet, uh, no potatoes, tomatoes instead, a cup of coffee, and toast. No substitutions. What do you mean? You don't have any tomatoes? Only what's on the menu. You can have a number two, a plain omelet. It comes with cottage fries and rolls. Yeah, I know what it comes with, but it's not what I want. Well, I'll come back when you make up your mind. Wait a minute. I have made up my mind. I'd like a plain omelet, no potatoes on the plate, a cup of coffee, and a side order of wheat toast. I'm sorry, we don't have any side orders of toast. I'll give you an English muffin or a coffee roll. What do you mean you don't make side orders of toast? You make sandwiches, don't you? Would you like to talk to the manager? Hey, Mac. Shut up. You've got bread and a toaster of some kind? I don't make the rules. Okay, I'll make it as easy for you as I can. I'd like an omelet, plain, and a chicken salad sandwich on wheat toast. No mayonnaise, no butter, no lettuce, and a cup of coffee. And number two, chicken salad sandwich. All the butter, the lettuce, and the mayonnaise, and a cup of coffee. Anything else? Yeah, now all you have to do is hold the chicken, bring me the toast, give me a check for the chicken salad sandwich, and you haven't broken any rules. You want me to hold the chicken, huh? I want you to hold it between your knees. <laughs> you see that sign, sir? Yes, you all have to leave. I'm not taking any more of your smartness and sarcasm. You see this sign? Amy, for those who don't remember or, like me, haven't seen, what is Five Easy Pieces about? A dropout from upper-class America picks up work along the way on oil rigs, and when his life isn't spent in squalid succession of bars, motels, and other points of interest. That's the IMDb synopsis. It's really just about a guy who was born to better things, who's just drifting through life, and kind of shitting over everything that comes his way. Yeah. He, uh, the he poisons everything and makes things worse. Quite true. The IMDb synopsis does not do the film justice. At all. What I like about this film, one of the many things I like about this film, this is, spoiler alert people, a great fucking movie, is how closely to the vest it plays its cards it is it is so it is so tight there i you don't a lesser film 
I think would have flashbacks to Bobby, Jack Nicholson's character, as a younger man playing the piano. We would see him leaving home. We'd, we would see, we would get some sort of clue as to why he left. This film isn't really about answering the questions it asks. It is about you observing and bearing witness to Jack Nicholson doing what he does best, and that is just self-destruct in the most magnificent way possible. I didn't even realize that, you know, at first I'm like, oh, we got Jack Nicholson, he's playing some, you know, blue-collar oil rig guy. Like, yeah, of course he's a, of course he's a jerk. But then he hops up on the piano on the back of the truck and he play and he plays it. And you're like, this guy's got some what is what is happening? He's got some layers and you learn it it like an onion. You'd slowly peel things back and figure out and that Oh, he was he was a rich kid. It's all was, uh, shown to you. It's it's all it's all it's all it's all shown to the point where you're like, I think you need to show me just like a little bit more, but I but I like that. And it works because Nicholson is this is 1970s Jack Nicholson. He is one of the greatest string of films in like history or something like that. Coming right off of Easy Rider, you're like, oh, he can do anything. And he did. Uh, what, he was like Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando in the 50s. 19, yeah. 1951, 1954. I mean, just every year in the 50s, Brando had a massive, massive, iconic hit. And Jack Nicholson was that way in the 70s. He's not the only actor who had that in the 70s, but he definitely was one of them. Yeah, him. You've also got Pacino and De Niro. De Niro as well. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful. And uh, so I guess so I guess I guess the question is, what what is Bobby's deal in life? What is what's what's going on with him? I really don't know, and I've seen the movie more than once. And every okay. time I watch yeah. it, I think maybe I understand a little bit more. And he's torn up. He's angry. He's fully aware of what a terrible person he is. But he doesn't try to do anything about it. Hmm. And he is there something... Lot. Have you seen Carnal, Carnal Knowledge? No, I've, I've never, I haven't seen he plays. He plays almost a similar character very he plays a real misogynist in that and the way his treatment of um ann margaret in that movie is very similar to his treatment of rayette in this film yes yeah as for i was i was thinking about like the, the motivations motivations why and it's it's largely a why do we do anything can we point can any of us point to any one moment in our life as to why we did why we chose X instead of Y. And I think it's what Raffleson and Joyce, the writer, are trying to trying to show you is that is this aimlessness, this driftlessness that is, I think, the Vietnam era America, especially through the eyes of American male, we are a bit lost. We're just no matter what no matter what life we're born into, we're born into this kind of shitty time in the world and i i think i i maybe perhaps i'm grasping here i'm thinking bobby aroika is meant to symbol symbolize that aimlessness at all at at things and it doesn't quite matter why he got there it's only it only matters that he got there because it's not interested in plumbing up the past 
Because if it were, if, it, if uh, in, the, in the traditional way, if it were, again, we would have lots of flashbacks. We would show, we would have a younger Bobby, and that would, and that would be a fine movie. It, it really would. Exposition. It would be so much exposition. But there's, there's so much you have, this is a movie you have to pay attention to. You have to listen to. You have to figure out that, oh, this uh, par uh, Partita, I think her name is, yeah. the, the sister. Yes. I, was, I was having a trouble, the great Lois Smith, I was having trouble, like, what is their relationship? Has a, has a different last name. Like, what's what's going on? Oh, oh, okay. And, and, you, and you have to just like kind of put things. You have, it it does something that movies these days do not do, and that it doesn't hold your hand. No. It, it says you're going to watch like watch this, figure it out on your own. We don't care if you are if you are a bit lost because you're kind of supposed to be lost. This is life we're talking about here. This is this is, this is Nicholson. Because there's the the structure of the movie is not a traditional structure. He doesn't have a goal. He's not trying mm. to get anything. And there's no classic build up. Does he get it? The normal conflict. What does he overcome? What's in his way of getting what he wants? He doesn't seem to want anything. So they took that element out of the story. Right. He, he, he simply exists. And there's He's, no uh, real obstacles. Drifter, loser. There's things he doesn't want. Right. Which, like a kid. But he doesn't really deal with those either. No, he he's a he's a we learn slowly that he is a guy who when the situation gets even remotely tough, he's going to walk away from he's, it. He walked away from he was a great piano player when he was younger and he just walked away from that. He his uh, girlfriend Rayette gets pregnant and we learn that he walks away from that. He just he just he just leaves. he he self-destructs whenever something it's like he thinks he doesn't deserve a good thing, and that is something I can absolutely relate to. Certainly, in my in my in my younger years, just as interesting a, insight into the podcaster. Yeah, I mean, you listen you listen long enough, you'll have a great great idea of who I am. <laughs> no, it's it, he's it's you're right you're right this he doesn't really want anything and that makes him so that makes you want to watch him more because you're you want to figure him out but the movie's not going to let you figure him out even he know even he even he in this brilliant scene with his dad who is his dad has fallen has fallen mute and can barely can't do anything he just sort of stays there in his, in his chair and that's the reason why he goes on this long road trip there's this great scene with his dad where he says you know he basically lays out that i'm you know i haven't been great and i've you know, I like the person I am is is kind of awful. But there's this there's there's this thing where we think the knowledge of one's shortcomings allow you to surpass those shortcomings. That's not always the case. Sometimes you just know, and then you just go, well, okay. And it's more of a realization and actualization of this is who I am, and that's not going to change anymore. I can't. I can't do it. I've been running away so long that I'm just going to keep doing it because that's all I am now. I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm a runner. I'm a drifter. I'm a loser. That's it. And you know what? I'm okay. And, 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 you know, and you, and if you're around that great, but the amount of self-loathing and destruction that Bobby leaves in his wake is so, 
astounding. It's 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 brutal. But and that, of also, course, the, the real flaw with him, though, as a character isn't so much the self-destruction, which is one thing. And that makes him interesting. But he poisons everything else around him, though. And yes. that, I think, is harder to watch. And it makes you harder to feel for him. Because if we're going to start getting to some plot points, uh, he gets Rhea pregnant. And he treats her like yeah. shit, obviously. And then he has an affair with his brother's fiance, so he screws that. You know what I mean? It's like even if she still yeah. marries him, their relationship is still poisoned by that. You know, he breaks his sister's heart at the end when he's leaving, and she just happens to catch him leaving to say goodbye because he wasn't going to say goodbye to her. And that's just what he does. It's like he comes, he messes around with people, and then leaves. He messes around with people with no thought to them. He he just he just goes, hey, the, my brother's fiance, she's she's hot. I'm gonna I'm gonna go after that with no no respect for the relationship that was established. And yeah, sure, it takes two to tango, but like, come on, come on, Bobby, you should know better. And like, yeah, your brother's a schmuck, but he's still your brother. <laughs> However, let's come talk on. about the brother. I liked, All right, let's talk about. I the liked the brother. He was a wank and kind of a weenie. I love how you use the word wank on the show. By the way, you, it, it's just so funny because we're like, we're not in England, and you're in you're in the South. This is so strange. Why but he you, is why? because it's the perfect word. He is a wank. And oh so yeah, it's, he's got he's got that ridiculous thing on he his neck. Injured, he injured his neck. So we can't play like the doing, doing something ridiculous. So he can't play the violin. And so he like, walks all is... weird, and and you get that. And he's supposed to be the butt of a joke. However, when Rayette finally comes to the house after being, you know, left at a hotel by herself with no car for several days and no contact, really, I'll call you. Mm-hmm. Like fuck you, call every day. She finally comes to the house, and yes, she's compared to them she's very unrefined and they probably see her as poor white trash which bobby despite the fact that he lives kind of a trashy existence is embarrassed by her but at least his brother still treats her with manners and respect yeah and and kindness and is a gentleman to her and I liked that about the brother. And it's sad that they dressed him up to be just, oh, he's what a loser, whatever. But it's like, no, he's still treating her as a human being that deserves to be treated with respect. And Jack Nicholson's like dumping on her. And he's like, Bobby, like, back off. Ask her if she wants something to drink. Like, I'm interested in your story. And he's listening to her stories. And it was really, it was really endearing. And then, um, this so then why does so uh, on on that note then why at one point you have the super hoity-toity friends come in and they're the most obnoxious fucking people in the world like oh my god worse than the get worse than the characters in the great beauty because these people are spewing nonsense they don't even have any any creativity to call their own why does then why does nicholson defend rayette however let us talk about that scene because on the surface he's defending Rayette in reality. He's not doing it for Rayette at all. Okay. Explain. What's the girl's name? Susan, Catherine. 
one for yeah, my okay. Susan Ann Spatch. Okay, Catherine is talking about love and all these things, and the entire time she's talking, Jack Nicholson is watching her. And that snotty woman who, by the way, Catherine and the brother are friends with. Right. Whose name is Samia? Samia or something. Something awful like that. So anyway, she's talking and she's like, love is this, love is that. And she's trashing Susan's entire argument. Right. Susan gets up and leaves in tears. Jack Nicholson has his eyes on her as she's going upstairs. Then Rayette starts in about her little dog, and God bless Karen Black, because <sighs> I know people like this character in real life, and as much as she and I have, the character of Rayette and I have very little in common, she's so charming, and she's so, and she is, she's adorable, and I love her little coat that she yes. wears, she has this fabulous coat, on another note, oh. anyway. But she's adorable. She's talking about her little dog. And the person keeps commenting on words she's using and stuff like that. So finally, Bobby gets up and yells and calls her a, a pompous celibate. He yells to defend Rayette, then goes immediately upstairs and is banging on the door and trying to find Susan to comfort her. Right. So the thing is not you know, Rayette's really a person and she should be treated better than this. It's more to bring down that person and to get Catherine than it is about Rayette. And the first time I watched it, I thought good for him for defending Rayette. Watched it again. It was like that had nothing to do with Rayette. He did that for the other girl. Right. And he's chasing okay. her around and totally abandons. Right. Because, because ultimately, ultimately he's doing it for that girl, but really he's doing it for himself. Everything he does he does for himself. He goes bowling and he picks up these two floozies. Sally Struthers. Oh, yeah, Sally Struthers and Tony Basil of, uh, I believe, Hey Mickey fame. I, I think that, that was her. Yeah, that's not, that sounds about right. And, uh, you know, they just go, they have, he, he just, he's a man, uh, he's a man of, it's it's strange because he, he has the refined, he has the refinement of the uh, the piano player but he also has the the instincts of this this guy who just needs to fucking fight and work he just, and drink he does, all the time. even after he has a he has a fight with his friend uh stoney was his name or was stoney the woman stoney i, th- I think so i think so he gets in a fight with his Green friend Bo- like leaves to go to the bathroom comes back the friend is in a fight and he just starts throwing punches and you're like does right. he even know why they're fighting doesn't matter. Doesn't matter why the fight. His together. friends, you know, his friends are his, his friends being his friends being arrested, and it turns out like uh, his friend is, is absolutely right to be arrested. And his because... friend says that he's like, no, like back off, Bobby. Back off. Um, going back to Rayette, I, I do have to ask because I live. I guess I live. I come from a very waspy place, and we have like basically five names. Hell, kind of names Rayette. I feel like the parents are just not. More just, than, they don't have any hope for the More than Partita, Partita is a little more of a ridiculous name. Partita, yeah, Partita, there, there's a lot of ridiculous, ridiculous names. Uh, I just, it just, it just Rayette is so. It, it Partita, I get this, I get the sense of it's some like Greek or Italian, like Arica. Maybe that's what he's rebelling because his middle name is Aroika. Aroika, oh, which, 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 which we talk about that, but just, just Rayette. Uh, Karen Black is. Uh, 
This is one of her major, major roles. This is her only Academy Award nomination. She would later become a big uh, cult horror. Uh, I don't queen. know her that way. I know her from Robert Altman films. Ah, I know her. I know, I know her from uh, like she made a resurgence uh, in the two thousands with the Rob Zombie movies. Uh, certainly, House of a Thousand Corpses and. Uh, and, and along that, so she so so she has a big like B. She has a big B movie, B movie catalog. And she was also so was, in uh, Nashville and uh, Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. Oh, that's a that's a deep pull right there. What is in your head? I just, I just I'm to... I'm an enigma, man. I'm an enigma. Oh, it's so strange. It's so it's so strange. But she is she is great in here. Because oh, she's so she's wonderful. She's movie. so sweet and innocent, and it's I guess I guess now it's just weird not seeing a like a tough like a tough like I can do I can do all this my own girl on screen, and she she is like a like a lost little bird. She it's she plays the role in a way that you would think she's not really acting, and therefore wouldn't nominate her for an vote for her for an academy award you know what i'm saying because she's so natural right and she looks think, like oh, oh yeah, he's of course just she's... this not so bright kind of naive whatever you know what i mean yeah. but you gotta be you gotta be smart to play a character like this but you really do it's dumb you, you know what i mean and that's what's great about her is she's so much more complicated than she's not yeah. just a ditz because you do understand why he gets frustrated and annoyed with her but she's very endearing and she's very charming. She just wants she like she just wants to be loved. She's she's sitting there waiting for her waiting for a man to come home and like that's like nowadays I think that's weird. But at the same time I go that's that's what she wants and I'm sorry that man is Bobby Aroika because that there are not women who are like that. You would be mistaken. There you probably don't know a lot of women like that. No, well, we haven't experienced no, a lot of women like that, but there are women who tolerate a lot. Yes, and, and I very sweet, and they're very loving, and they make wonderful mothers. Yeah, that's and, the uh, mindset. Yeah, and and Rayette is going to make a great mom to their unborn child, uh, sure, uh, most assuredly, and it's she's just. It's fascinating to see a character who is so unlike, I guess, certainly unlike the women I know. As, as you say, they're all like smart, successful, driven, their moms, and, and they're, they're, have, they're working. And she just has the one thing. The reality is, she doesn't have a lot of options in life. So it's hard. No. I feel like nowadays a lot of people would look at her and just totally be like, Psh, like she's this pathetic loser. You know what I mean? Like she should go to college and like become a career woman and stuff like that. And that's not always the case. Women, you know, and back then it's like she didn't have a ton of options. She's not educated. What's she going to do? Go back to law school? You know, that's, right. that's not. No, she's going to, she's going to work at the, she's gonna work at the five and she's dime. Work and, and she's going to, and she's going to have a little, little baby. Yeah, but you can also a... see why he would be attracted to her, though. Too, it's not you never get the feeling that he really hates her, which is also good because otherwise you'd be like, why does he even put up with her? Why does he right. even deal with her? But you can tell that he definitely feels tied to her. He hates the way that he treats her. He hates himself how he treats her. 
And the best part, which is my favorite, is when he's trying to leave her to go stay with his family. And at first, you see him tell his sister, I'm only going to stay a week. He comes home in his stories like, oh, I'm going to be gone for a couple of weeks. And he's packing and he's talking really rapidly as he's doing his stage business and packing up his suitcase and it's okay. And yeah, I never said I was going to stick around. And he doesn't give her a moment to speak. And she's right. and she, and she just sitting there crying and, and just like crying, really upset. But it's like she's more like she's whimpering because she knew that this was going to happen one day. And it's right. great acting on both parts. And so he's like, great, wonderful, like peace out. He's totally unemotional, gets into the car, has this little flip out where he like, he's punching, he's punching the roof. He's, he's just like, punching, like shaking the steer, trying to shake the steering wheel. Hits it again, gets back out, goes back into the house, and deadpan. Do you want to come? <laughs> yeah, it's. And then they're in the car, and she's singing, and he can't help but laugh and smile because she's adorable and wearing a fabulous coat. And yeah, she does have a fabulous Jackie O esque coat. Yes. Oh, it's amazing! It's amazing. Uh, there are. A couple scenes that come to mind, but I, obviously I want to talk about the uh, the big scene, which is referenced in Saturday Night Live and also many other Jack Nicholson movies, and that is the diner sequence when they are at some greasy spoon on the side of the road, and Nicholson just wants to get—I think he just wants to get a chicken sandwich, but they just doesn't. No, he wants toast. Uh, Oh, he wants toast. That's right. And he's with those he two wants... weird women too. Oh, I can't and I'll, we will talk about them. We'll talk about them. But what make what makes this diner scene so memorable? For uh, that has that has lasted nearly fifty years. Just we can still talk about the it. The buildup of the scene. Though all he wants is a piece of toast, and there's a sign that says "No substitutions." And if you have not seen this, pause this podcast. Go onto YouTube and look up Five Easy Pieces Diner Scene, and then listen, yes. and then come back to the show. <laughs> because right. you okay, you're back. It. Thank you. Anyway, welcome. So he, it's all he wants, and he says it. And the woman's got the real; she's a real salty. You know, she's been a waitress for 105 years, and she's not putting mm-hmm. up with any shenanigans. And he's like, "I just want a piece of toast." Well, we don't have toast. You can have eggs and a roll or whatever. Right. And then he's like, I don't understand that. And rather than just arguing, he comes up with this whole other order about, I want a chicken salad on white bread. I want the bread toasted, but take off the chicken and the mayo and the lettuce. And then what do you want me to do with the chicken? I want you to hold the chicken. You want me to, where do you want me to hold it? Between your knees. I want you to hold it between your knees. Right. And it's done in classic Jack Nicholson. But he says, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but you just, and he's just broiling underneath. And when he gets to, they get told to leave, he just clears the table. And you've, there's, there's a part of me, you know, there's a part of me that, okay, I understand Nicholson's being kind of a jerk right now. I also understand the waitress is being kind of a jerk right now. Because she's like, it's just, it's fucking toast. Like, it's not even a substitution. Why don't, like, why don't you have fucking toast available on the menu anyways? It's just bread. Like, who gives a shit? Because he says that he goes, you do have a toaster of some kind. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, you're like, all right, all right. Okay, fine. But there's, there's another part of me. 
and like and this is not to besmirch the uh the, the wait staff of america and i like you guys have a really tough job but i was definitely like fuck yeah jack <laughs> you, like yes you show them you show that less than minimum wage minimum wage worker who's boss and i know that's terrible but i there's like something very cathartic about food service I, ne- I i i i honestly it I shows and... because i'm watching it years later and i have not a lot i wasn't a long-term waitress by wait just for like about five minutes but when you're in food service it's rough and people are assholes and so part of you is yeah. like this woman's probably having like the longest day of her life she is tired and she has to put up with his bullshit. Like, dude, I don't make, because again, at that point you're thinking, I don't make the rules. There's literally a sign and there's a man, you know what I mean? Like if she goes back there and says she wants toast, she's going to get, have to deal with the whole thing. So again, it's just, when we talk about this with every movie, just different perspectives, but yeah, time it's kind of, who hasn't wanted to. It's it's, it's kind of fun just because haven't we always wanted to, haven't we always wanted to like be this cool and calm in a situation like that? I think, but it also does go, it does, it does speak to Bobby's character in that he is always looking for something to rebel against. In this case, it's the, the no substitutions. Like, like he could easily like been like a it, roll is fine. Yeah. Like a roll is fine. Like what it's, it's bread and sure. But no, he needs whatever situation is in, he needs to poison it. Just, push yeah poison he needs to like poke the edges he needs to figure out how far he can go because that's just that's just who he was he, like he's a he's a rebel who is in need of a rebellion need of a and he cross. never gets it yeah and, and, and it's a it's a it's a great and wonderful scene later on in a couple of other nicholson movies i think like in about schmidt he you know there, he orders some food and he just you know gets what's gets what's what's on there and it's fine but everyone you always have to go like oh is nicholson gonna do is he gonna is he gonna pull five easy pieces and uh, he never has because you never can because there's only the he did it once and it it is now forever immortalized and he's good at that simmering he does that simmer really well he does simmering because even he gets up fast and he clears the table but he never yells or screams or goes crazy you know what i mean he keeps us even when, I want you to hold it between your knees. And then she's like, get out. I'm not in the mood for your smart mouth or whatever. And he just gets up, mm. sweeps everything off the table with his arm and leaves. And leaves. And the, the what's her face? The trash lady is just so like, oh, yeah, you showed her. And I'm like, oh, well, 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 now I feel bad for cheering for him because you liked the trash lady and I hate you. I don't like the trash lady. I don't, I know, I know, like, I know, I don't, I, I don't like the trash oh, lady. Okay. You do like the trash lady? No, like, no, trash lady is just, I uh, like, I like, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, there is more, there's a lot of garbage in the world. Sure, I get it, but she's just like, oh, God, you need to get, you need to get on another song in your, in your playlist, lady, because I'm getting sick she of your shit. me of Andy McDowell's character in therapy at the beginning of Sex, Lies, and Videotape, obsessing over where is all the garbage going to go. I was like, interesting. Yeah, I was like, funny, all right, but, you know, it's a... It was late sixties. Was concerned. We're wondering, like, all this, all of this bad stuff, all of this poison we're putting into the world. What, what are we gonna do with it? And so, like, Bobby, what are you gonna do with all this poison you were putting into the world? Oh, like, uh, you're just gonna walk away from it? Oh, splendid. That's what we do as people. That's what we do as people. So, um, I did a little, a little digging, and by little digging, I mean Wikipedia research. And um, Bobby Dupia. Middle name Arroyka. He goes by Bobby Arroyka. And I was wondering, like, that's interesting. 
the Eroica is the name of Beethoven's third symphony, one of his famous, famous ones. Uh, it is not one of the pieces that is played. Uh, the name of the third symphony is a tribute to Napoleon, who, as we know, is a man who would conquer the world and uh, perhaps, I think, ascribe some of the hope that Bobby's family poured into him. Like, they're very they all seem to be like you play music and that's and that's it and 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 that's great and you can tell there was a sense of like you just play music all the fucking time they went to an island to basically just be musicians and you and i i think i like looking into the names of the characters and i don't always do it but this time i felt compelled to because it i think that lets you know a little bit more about his youth in a in just a brilliantly subtle way that you would need to know these sort of sort of things about uh, and that i think he was so i think in a way he was crushed under the weight of expectations and so that's why he rebelled and so now and his father to looked like leo tolstoy i mean his father looked, oh yeah that's all i can think of he looked oh, like leo tolstoy he looked like a stern russian man yes yes indeed and uh i believe uh actually uh when Napoleon declared himself emperor. Beethoven said, oh, "Screw this guy!" Uh, at that point, and you know, he re he renamed it something far more just just regular, whatever the the name actually is. But and finally, one more fun fact about the Eroica in Psycho, the LP that Norman Bates puts down is Beethoven's Third Symphony called the Eroica. So we'll talk about that later. Later. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> What are the five easy pieces? I, unlike you, did not look them all up. Okay. He played a bunch of music. That's all I got. Yeah, he played. All right. There, uh, there. The five easy PC pieces refer to a book of standard piano tunes that one learns when you are first starting out and playing pianos. It's a Chopin, a Bach. A Mozart, another Chopin, and another Mozart as well. Three of which are played by Bobby. Uh, for instance, uh, Bobby plays the, uh, the one of the Chopins and the back of the moving truck, which I think is one of my most favorite scenes Just, in well, cinema history. It's like it's so brilliant. You're like, oh, he's actually up there. They're in they're in traffic, and he's actually just playing. He's playing the piano. That's uh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, and so yeah, it, so it doesn't. I think there's a people believe that like it referred to a bunch of women, but no, it refers to it refers to the music. And this is not having listened to uh, the music at the time of this recording. At least I can't speak to exactly the uh, if there's any deeper significance to there. But there is one uh, that um, the the prelude in E minor by Chopin. It's Bobby plays it for Catherine, and Catherine is so moved by it she could feel the the sadness in in uh in bobby's in bobby's playing and yeah she cries and you're like and you're like and yeah and he, listening to it as it pans over all the pictures mm -hmm. of the family you're like all right all right you you feel it and then she says you know she asks like well how did you how did you play that so beautifully he's like i just i just played it it was an easy piece I didn't feel anything about it. You just want to smack the guy. You're like, you're like even now, even in this this moment, he can't muster up uh, kindness because it's just not in him. Like, he, this, 
he's infuriating and wonderful. And I just, and I just want to, I want to keep watching him. At the same time, I just want to be like, nope. You're being an idiot. And it, you're being an idiot. it apparently being an idiot. works for him because she still sleeps with him. So yeah, he's, he's he basically does he. I think he just negs everything all the time, and somehow it still works out for him because he's Jack Nicholson, and just it's it's ridiculous. But uh, the it's yes, it refers to a, a bunch of music played in the in the film, uh, which which I was wondering. I was like, what the fuck is this? Five music pieces. What exactly is that about? Um, we do have to come to the ending. Oh. Mm, I know, I know. The ending. Bobby and Rayette. They storm out of the island. They leave. Bobby leaves. And she's being all, "Come by and stay with us." And she's being so sweet and so adorable. Oh, yeah. And you just love her. She's being a normal human being. And you think, "Oh, he's learned his lesson. He had his affair with this." highfalutin mucky muck yeah like literally this a couple scenes before yeah a couple scenes before he has this big heart to heart with his dad where he does all the talking it's the most brilliant scene ever you're like oh see he under he understands himself he can can change and now he's gonna change like he's gonna do it he's gonna do it and rayette are gonna go home and the credits are gonna come up and you're gonna know that they're gonna be happy and together wrong Wrong! Oh, have you never seen a '70s film? The '70s were terrible. We didn't make happy endings Let back then. Let me ask then. you a we question: Did you predict despair. the ending? Sort of, only because you spoiled it for me. I thought you had seen it. I know, I know. No, I, uh, I, I didn't. I feel I, bad because I really want to know legitimately when you watched it. Did you? Do you think you would have known if I hadn't ruined it for you? Assuming stupidly that you had seen this classic of American <laughs> cinema, it's my, it's my fault. Bill. I can tell you every single movie I've seen and not seen it. Anyways, I think I would. I like to believe in the best of of things, and so I would like to. I would like to think I would have said like, "Oh yeah, they're gonna get together." Look at look at him. He just had this breakthrough with his dad. Like he understands himself. He can he can move and on. And there's no. It doesn't show him driving and like pondering or thinking. It doesn't show any of that stuff. She's like. Right. and she's taking pictures and she's being adorable yeah. she's being adorable like a little clingy and annoying but that's and, she sure, well, whatever but that that's just sweet. and like it's fine like he gets he gets upset at her but he gets upset at her but he also the day. cute things though i liked her when he called her um oh, by her depesta when he called her by her last name mm-hmm. and there were also yeah. times when i feel like they had really good chemistry together because there were times where she sang and he would kind of look at her like out of the corner of his eye and just kind of have this little smile yeah, but she's very subtle. She's very very subtle. Singing. Yeah, singing all, singing all the Tammy Wynette. The opening they song, come, Stand By Your Man, could that not be the Rayette theme song? That's basically the Rayette theme song. They come to a truck stop, side of the road, heading, you know, heading back south from, uh, from Oregon, Washington, wherever. And he goes out to get some gas. Or no, she, yeah, she. she uh, he, he's getting. He's gonna get some gas. She runs in to get some. Get some coffee. He goes to the bathroom. Are you sure you don't want any? Yeah, and, and he like, for his oh, wallet. Just... Yeah. Oh yeah. Gives 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 a wallet, and it's like it's like he it's like he knows that I'm going to do this, and then a truck pulls in, and he hops in. Hold on. And he... before that, okay. The scene. The only time yeah. I think that makes you think something's gonna happen. He's in the bathroom. 
and he looks at himself for a long time in the mirror. And I think that's the only signal you get. Cause other than that, he's just like, she's like, do you have any change? He's like, no, whatever. Just take my wallet. And he's like, I'm going to just run and go to the bathroom. And it's all normal. If you've ever been on a road trip with your spouse, you've done it a hundred times. It's when he's in the bathroom and he looks at himself and then you're like, Oh, yeah. What do you, yeah. What do you think he sees? What do you, when, when he's looking at himself, what, what, is he, what is he looking at? I think he's looking at himself metaphorically for the first time. Like, I can't, I can't do this. Okay. I think he's looking into the future. He sees himself. He's with Rayette. There's a kid. Maybe there's another. Maybe there are many kids. Oh, with her, you're going to have he's, a whole bunch of kids. Oh, yeah. You're, you're like, she does. And he's, and he, he sees that. He's no. He he sees that he's no good. He'll be no good to her. He'll be no good to the kids. It's everything, and he just goes. Because then he, then he goes out, and there's a truck that's blocking the car because she's already out by the car at that point. No, 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 not not quite. No, 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 she's not. She she, she comes out after okay. after he uh, after after they're moving out. But and you don't see yeah, him. You just see him soundlessly, and it's so great because it's it's so gritty. It's such a '70s movie, and you see like the steam from the trucks and. You hear all the no- the sounds of the gas station, yeah. and but you don't you don't hear what they're saying. But it doesn't saying. matter. You just you just know. And you just see him get in the car. The he's getting he's getting in the truck. The uh, the driver says we're heading north. You want a sweater? And he's like, no, I'm good because he knows he's punished. He's everything in this movie is Bobby Aroika punishing himself through affairs, through drinking, through fighting, through just putting up with all of just doing all the things he does he's he's angry at himself he's guilty at himself for the for, not for anything just for who he is and you think that he had a breakthrough when he talked to his dad because he says to his dad i always leave things when they're about to turn bad so yeah. you think now he's going to turn his life around and he doesn't he takes the easy way he does because you know it's it's more to say he just always leaves things yeah. that's it that's it and it's and it, then it just, it's a long shot. Karen Black is out there now, just looking around the car and the truck drives off in the distance. And you're like, <sighs> like, welcome to 1970. You're like, shit. And the credits come up, but you can Not. still see the, the movie, yeah, which I like. Everything happens. So so a lot of the times the credits roll and voila. Fade to black. But what, what, my question for you is what, it's such a ambiguous ending. It's like an open-ended question. What do you think happens to Bobby? Like, just like, like expand this. Let's let's go out many many years. What happens? I think he's just stuck in the same routine. I don't see him changing. Yeah, me neither. At me all. Neither. You think like just you think he's, I, he's just gonna drift because you think the major events that happen in people's lives that are supposed to change you for the better falling in love, becoming a father family. Mm-hmm. None of that means anything to him. I mean, even his, the only person I think he really shows any legitimate love for is his sister. And he yeah. was even going to walk out on her. I mean, she was, I mean, and she's so touched that when she first sees him, she starts crying because she can't believe that he's there and he treats her with respect and he can't even do it for her. He can't do it for his father. I mean, no, nothing's really going to change. Yeah, and that's that's what makes it bleak, you know. Because if he's not gonna, if he didn't change now, if he didn't, if he didn't come to some 
under he came to an understanding, but if he didn't use that understanding to better himself with his you know after his his conversation with his, his monologue with his dad, and then he never is. So you just you just picture him going north and north until he ends up some oil rig in Alaska. And that's it. He's just the, he's just the old guy that all the young kids are like. Yeah, he knows what he's doing, but. Uh, don't don't get involved then, with him. He's a weird dude. And he becomes, he's, yeah, he becomes a dirty old man because you know when you're young and charismatic, stuff like that works for you. But when you're, you know, seven yeah. years and, old, and, that's yeah. not that's not hot. Yeah. Unless unless you're actual Jack Nicholson, in which case, like, yeah, yeah, right. Find your Jack Nicholson. Yeah, but, and you have like money and yeah, money stuff. and accomplishments yeah. and class and and, yeah. and everything. But it's funny. This is the this is one of the times I go. You know what? I would really love to see a sequel to this. I I would like imagine imagine Rayette's kid, Rayette and Bobby's kid, like years from now, grown up, going to find his dad, going on a like. He's like maybe he maybe he knows how to play the piano. He's always wanted to know his know his dad, and you get to it. And like it could end just as bleakly, or there could be some, be some hope. Like maybe. They have this. They have this great moment, but Bobby still leaves at the end, and you're like broken. And I, I, I think it could really, it could work if you could get Nicholson back. I know it's just been a while. It, I think it, there's something. But there's been there's, a lot. There, there are more. There are more chapters to the story that you can that that you can talk about. That you can talk about. I think, and just like and how and how Bobby's. How the sun's all uh, screwed up now too. Yeah, and and. and, 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 and <laughs> Yeah, and and how our actions affect our children, and how it and like and, and not not just our children, but everything, everything. We go, we we maybe we meet all the maybe we meet the aunt, the aunts and uncles to to the kids, and they they he learns a thing or he learns more about Bobby, and they we learn what happened to them and how like the brother and Catherine divorced or they never even got married or something something like that. I think it. I think it could work if handled properly. It's probably too late for uh, for Nicholson and Co. because it's been fifty years since this movie came out, which is crazy. But you could you could do something, even if it's just like a spiritual successor to it. I think it could. I think it could really work. But that is not the question we are, have come to ask today. The question we have come to ask today is: Did Five Easy Pieces deserve Best Picture at the forty third Annual Academy Awards? Yes. Amy. Yes. Yes. And if not this, then MASH, but I have my own problems with MASH. But yes. And Jack Nicholson deserved Best Doctor. It should have been his first for the 70s. Jack Nicholson. Nicholson probably could have won. Could have won for Easy Rider. I would have given him Easy Rider was, would have been a supporting actor, though. He would have, you know, he still would have still gotten like easy, you know, last detail. It's, it's really anything, really anything. He was, uh, he was great in it. This is one of his best, though. Yeah, and I, I think his, I think his role in Cuckoo's Nest is is all time. But watching this, I go, this, this is some, this is absolutely phenomenal work. And as 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 we talked about in Cuckoo's Nest, and I think in terms of endearment as well, yeah, we have the sense of in terms of endearment. What I loved him in terms of endearment. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. He he's great. He had more he's that great. charm, he's, though. Yeah, he, he had more that. But we always think of Nicholson as like kind of like playing a character of himself. But 
he like you forget that you have to be a really good actor in order to play a caricature of yourself. Christopher Walken plays a caricature of himself. Dude won an Oscar, so every everybody. Uh, as for did Five Easy Pieces deserve to win? I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go to a coin flip on this one. I like Patton. It could be a dude thing. Like it, I, it's probably a dude thing. I, I fucking love World War Two movies, and it's Schaffner does it's great work. Scott does great work. Uh, it's great. It's a great look at a interesting, interesting character in a moment from history. One that I think definitely the country wanted at the time due to all of the radical changes. And I understand that maybe that actually gives it. You know, I'm going to knock a few points off of that because it is definitely the safe movie. Like, oh, it's about it's a World War II movie about a famous general who won a lot of victories. It's complicated with a great uh, with a great central performance. Basically, it's Lincoln, and I know how you feel about that. Except for minus the switch out Civil War for World whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, but Five Easy Pieces is like I need I need to I need to watch this again. It's a great film. I think one of the best of all time. Are you taking it away from Scott and giving it to Nicholson? I don't know about that because Nicholson has so much more to give in the world, and Scott and Patton, I feel like was, was Scott's swan song, except for, of course, Day of the Dolphin, where he teaches a uh, a dolphin to blow up the uh, blow up, kill the president of the United States, which is, he was, which is why I haven't seen Five Easy Pieces. So I was too busy watching Day of the Dolphin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <sighs> Anyways, uh. You have been listening to this special fan request of the Oscar Watch podcast. If here's a here's the thing, folks. I know it's I know it's September right now. The month of December is we're going to give a little gift to you, and that gift is send us in your requests for a movie we should talk about, and we will do that. But here's the thing: it can't ju- you can't just send in a one word request or a and it, you also can't tweet it. You have to you have to email it to us at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com and tell us why you think we should talk about this film. Whether it is a Academy Award winner, whether it was nominated, whether it was a foreign film, an animated film, or whether you think this film really should have been nominated and it wasn't, write us in at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com with your thoughts and feelings. And if we are suitably convinced by your arguments we will talk about it in the month of december that's four maybe five episodes i don't know how many thursdays we have that month but we will get to you you set the playlist this christmas time our gift to you so start sending them in we'll be here we will be here thank you so much for listening next week uh, we're going to step away from the uh, gritty 70s for just a little bit and do something happy. I believe we have Happy Feet, the 2006 Best Animated Film to discuss. Should be cute. Watch it with your family. A lot of fun. Great music. Dancing. Penguins. George Miller. Love penguins. Who doesn't love penguins? Penguins are the best. Penguins are the best. And uh, be sure to find us on social media at Oscar Watch Podcast on all of the things. Amy, where can folks get in touch with you? On our Facebook page or at 
A Thomason eleven on Twitter. Yeah, and once again, Michael from Canada. Thank you so much for your request. We love having conversations with you. We look forward to having uh, hearing your more of your thoughts on five easy pieces. And until next time, we'll see you on the red carpet. <laughs> <laughs>